Sports, All Angles, All the News, the Radio Tab Breakfast Show. Well, we finished uh, the uh, WTA finals last week. Uh, Caroline Garcia won uh, there. Now the men, the top eight men, uh, have uh, well all assembled in uh, Turin in the north of Italy to play in their final eight and the uh, season-ending sort of uh, tournament. And on the line to discuss all matters tennis and horse racing is Leo Schlink. Morning, Leo. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Andrew. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Has your travels ever taken you to these uh, this indoor court at uh, Turin, Leo, or new ground for you? That's uh, new ground for me. Okay. Um, been up in that part of the world for a cycling uh, oh, yeah. world championship up there. Mm. But, um, yeah, um, have visited the city, but not this venue. But um, uh, interesting start for the Australians in doubles there and um, also Novak Djokovic. Uh, he's going to try and uh, match... Roger Federer's record of six ATP um, tour finals. And he made a good start this morning beating uh, a Pass in straight sets. So uh, he's off on the right foot. Just curious about him. Uh, he uh, hasn't played the tennis that he would have wanted to, Leo. How's he going to go coming into, into the Australian season? I, I think uh, basically the scenario in front of uh, Novak is that it wouldn't bother him at all. It, I, I think it's staggering what he's done this year. Um, couldn't play the Australian, the French or the US. Won the only major he played at Wimbledon. Um, sitting in the uh, top eight, having basically not been able to play some of the Masters events in the States as well. What he's done to be sitting so high in the rankings with, with uh, without the opportunities that it, everyone else has had, uh, to me, has just been phenomenal. Um, Carlos Alcaraz is deserving world number one. Uh, but to me, still the best player in the world is Novak Djokovic. And he's shown time and again his capacity to deal with any contingency. And if he comes to Australia, um, he'll, he'll, he'll be here to, um, to make a point. And he will certainly do that. And um, he'll go in. If he comes to Australia, he will come in as the favourite. I tell you what, he can deal with any contingency on the court, but off the court, his wife is sensational, Yelena, isn't she? Uh, I mean, she was into those who were talking about the mystery drink. She said, not everything has to be out in the open. You know, you don't have to give out information at someone else's timetable. Uh, she uh, has uh, Novak's uh, back, and as I say, she's quite formidable. Yes, yeah, she is formidable, and um, she's absolutely right with that. Um, like, every athlete has um, a performance edge, and it's no different to any other business. And um, if it's something that's worth protecting, um, he's, he's one of the most tested athletes in the world. It's just so bizarre to think that he would be doing anything in plain sight. Um, I know that uh, we've, we've been shocked in the past with athletes who have done things and we've thought that it was beyond them, but... This guy is tested so often, um, and uh, yeah, Yelena, she doesn't muck around. She's uh, and that particular source, if you can call it a source, where that whole story came from, um, has a there's a history there, and there's a fairly unhappy okay. history with the Djokovic uh, and him. Okay, uh, no real surprises there, Leo. Uh, he is favourite with uh, Tab to win the Australian Open. I know we're a long way out. Two fifty, Daniel Medvedev three seventy five, Carlos Alcaraz four fifty. $8 for Nick Kyrgios and Rafael Nadal at $9. We haven't seen that many players in single figures for a, a Grand Slam tournament for a while, Leo. It's been a while, yeah. So uh, obviously with some changes at the top and emerging players coming through um, and there's some all these other factors playing in and we still don't know absolutely whether uh, Novak Djokovic will be allowed to return to Melbourne Park. So once that's formalised... Um, 
and it, let's assume that he is allowed to come back in, um, then I think there'll be an, uh, change to that price, but not by a whole lot because Alcaraz has obviously had such a phenomenal year, even though he's injured at the moment, couldn't play in uh, Turin. Um, and Taylor Fritsch came in and took his spot and did really well beating Rafa, but I think that market, um, there's a bit of movement yet, but it's good to see so many players in single figures. And you did mention some Australians at this uh, tournament, uh, tournament, this final eight. Um, it's not just singles, it is doubles. So we do have doubles representatives there, Leo? We do. Um, Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis, um, they lost their first uh, round-robin match. They play in uh, two group stages and the best-performing teams uh, meet in the Southern Death semi-finals, but they lost to um, Wesley Kuloff and Nils uh, Skupski um, overnight. Um, so they're the top seeds. Um, so they're still alive. They can still qualify for the semi-finals. Um, so it's good to see Nick out there. I didn't think he would play mm. overseas again uh, this season, but it's it's good that he's doing that and um, seeing more and more events crop up um, on his program going into into next year. So it, it seems as though he's struck the right balance off the court to actually want to get out there and play again. Looks as though uh, they all be teaming up for the Australian Open and Channel 9 looks as though they are paying a record to keep <laughs> wow. the... Uh, the Australian yeah. Open TV rights going, Leo. Yeah, it's a, it's a, an eye-watering sum, isn't it? Um, $425 million, that's the cash component of the deal from 2025 to 20, uh, 2029. Um, and it just underlines about how big the Australian Summer Tennis is now with the United Cup, different events um, are sprinkled around the States. And, of course, the, the crown to it all is the Australian Open. And um, it is just such a popular event and it, the reach of it because of these players from all over the world um it has just become such a valuable event and to think back what it was uh before it left kuyong to go to uh, melbourne park or flinders park back in the day such a visionary move to do that and such a brave move to take it away from what was um really the home of australian tennis um and where it is now at it the Tennis Australia has become one of the most powerful organisations in the world off the back of the Australian Open, and we can see that in the, the new deal with Channel 9. Just, uh, I can remember as a youngster, Leo, watching Australian Opens, and look, to be frank, uh, the field wasn't the top players. I mean, Borg never came over here and that sort of thing at that particular time. Can you cast your memory back? What sort of changed it? What changed it when, you know, all of a sudden none of them were coming and then they, they all started coming? It was... Um, one of the main things was getting parity with rankings points um, and then the prize money flowed after that because the top players worked out that they could bypass the Australian Open because back at that time, um, the Wimbledon and, and the French uh, were worth a certain amount of points in the US, but Australia was less and um, it suffered because the timing of it as well, it, was, it would start pretty much right on Christmas and mm. there was one year where there was one Australian played in January and, and another played in December. So we had two that year um, but it was basically, and then Kuyong itself, just access for the players. Um, I, I, I figured they were a lot more tolerant in those days too. Uh, but you know, some of the uh, Kuyong magnificent grass courts and that old horseshoe-shaped stadium, it is one of the best. And it's, I'm glad it's still being used um, at, at a reasonably high level. But the opportunity to move uh, the whole thing um, into the centre of Melbourne, uh, walking distance from the CBD, and then getting parity with rankings points that were, they were the two big moves and when people started coming and they saw the facility and the first retractable roof at a grand slam um as the, the australian open sort of i guess was very much 
the, the little little brother, sister, um, and very much fourth in line to now where, OK, you've got the prestige of Wimbledon, the French Open and the power of the US Open, but the Australian Open is right up there with them. I think the old, that's the first sort of precinct we had. Now everyone that's building a stadium or expanding or renovating stadiums wants to include something like that. So you've got a, a hub of activity all around where an event's being played. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and you look at what Wimbledon's trying to do now uh, to try and expand their footprint. Well, um, that, that's well overdue because it is a small site and they've bought the golf course across the road and they'll eventually play qualifying there and who knows what they'll do in the future. Um, and that's been done in a really sensitive way because it's so old. The Australian Open, its footprint now goes from, for those who are familiar, goes from Fed Square almost into Richmond all the way down there and it's entertainment as much as is tennis and that's what Craig Tiley and others before him, um, Paul McNamee, Colin Stubbs have been able to build with Tennis Australia and for people who are going to the tennis, some for some, especially on the middle Saturday, the sport is almost incidental. It's everything else that goes with it and it's just a huge day out for a lot of people. Just uh, talking about Nick Kyrgios and playing in this uh, doubles event, I mean, whatever your view on Kyrgios may be, it's sort of half a shame he's not playing in the singles, isn't it? He had such a great Grand Slam year. Obviously, he didn't have the points to qualify, but uh, I would have loved to have seen him playing in it because if he gets on a streak for a week, he could have gone anywhere. Absolutely, and the right conditions for him as yeah. well. Um, and uh, he didn't miss out by much. Um, and, you know, there was some discussion about whether Novak Djokovic should be there because... Um, of the point situation, but there has always been written in the rule that uh, one of the eight spots is reserved for um, a Grand Slam winner in the current season right. if they don't have sufficient points. So if you won, so the Australian Open, you've got 2,000 points, but if you're injured through the rest of the year, do you still deserve to be at the ATP finals? Of course you do, um, and that's why he's there. But, yeah, Nick would have been great, and I think indoors on a fast court, he would have been very, very dangerous. Leo, as far as the women's game's concerned, we saw the Australian team perform magnificently at the Billie Jean King Cup. They got to the final, they were beaten by Switzerland, but it was a great performance by the girls. And as Andrew and I pointed out yesterday, it's great that Sam Stozer is still involved playing doubles. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's like this effort by this team, um, if you said at the start of the year, straight after the Australian Open, I reckon Australia can make the Fed Cup final. Um, figuring that you had Ash Barty on the team, you'd say, yep, tick, we've got that. You know, let's, let's go for it. And with Ash's retirement, um, it's obviously made it, made it tougher for Alicia Mollick's team, but this has been an incredible result to beat Great Britain, um, Slovakia and Belgium. And the emergence of, with Sam still being there in the background, still playing doubles, um, and still having that influence, the, the emergence of Storm Sanders, what she did through the whole final was amazing and, you know, ranked outside the uh, top 200, uh, Eilid Tomlanovic as well. They lost to Switzerland with a very good um, Swiss team in the final um, with with Bench, uh, Bencic and Teachman. They are, they are two really good players, both inside the top 40. Um, this is the 10th Fed Cup Billie Jean King final that Australia's lost now mm. uh, since the last win. But you keep on knocking on the door and eventually you're going to get through. The same thing happened to Switzerland. They'd lost, I think, two or three before they won this. So... Um, this team uh, has the potential clearly um, if they can Daria Seville gets back um, and a couple of other younger players come through there's the potential to win it in the next couple of years 
Yeah, it was quite a staple for us to be in the Federation Cup final, wasn't it? I remember speaking to Paul yesterday. I think I read somewhere we're in eight years in a row uh, around the Yvonne Corley time. So it's a, it's an event that's close to our heart. Just on Storm Sanders, I mean, you mentioned her ranking there. Is that sort of a, a sign of the depth of women's tennis or has she been injured? And is that too low for her in your book? I think it's too low for her, and she's shown in doubles just how good she is. Um, and I think she is possibly falling into that category of a, a late-blooming Australian. Mm. Um, but I think, again, the influence of really good people around her, that she can she can build on that. And we've seen this year with, with Daria, until she got hurt again with a knee, that her bounce in the rankings um, was fantastic. And I think Storm can do it as well. Um, you know, she's got some really good parts to her game, and this is where I think the influence of a person such as Alicia Mollick who's been in the top 10 and can draw on people like Ash Barty and others around the place to help. Um, I think that's where they got these project players, especially on the women's side of the game. I think right now on the men's side, similar uh, argument applies, but um, I think Storm, yeah, she's got, she's got good potential in front of her. Leo, uh, racing is getting very, very serious over in Hong Kong. James McDonald is heading your way. Jeez, uh, who's going to take on Zach Pert at the moment, though? He's riding winners everywhere. Yeah, unfortunately, the only thing that can stop him has, and so um, Zach um, has been... Um, he's tested positive to COVID, so he's out for tomorrow night, and we'll have to wait and see for trials day, which is one of the most important meetings uh, on the weekend uh, where they have... Um, 1,200-metre race, a mile race, and a 2,000-metre race, basically for all of the contenders um, for the Longines International Races next month at Chartin. And that's the reason why uh, James McDonald is coming over to ride uh, for Danny Shum, a uh, romantic warrior, and uh, Blake Shin's going to be in town uh, to ride Russian Emperor. So um, Hugh Bowman has arrived, so he was due to ride tomorrow night, but he's a close contact of a COVID positive, so he's out as well. Um, so the only thing that can stop Zach right now is COVID. He's a mile in front of the championship, 24 wins ahead of Vincent Ho. Um, he's on record-breaking pace. If, if he can keep this up and has uh, no more hiccups for the rest of the year, he, he will break uh, Joe Marrera's record if he stays fit and if the winners keep coming. Uh, he's riding that well, but... Um, yeah, certainly a big weekend uh, of racing at Chartin ahead with James McDonald and Blake Shin coming across to ride. And how far are we away from the big day, the Long Jeans Day? That's usually the first weekend of December, isn't it? Yeah, so the, the, in that first week in December, um, we've got the uh, International Jockeys Challenge, uh, which will feature um, 12 riders, um, eight from overseas. Um, there'll be obviously... There's always the reigning Hong Kong champion um, who makes the field, so that'll be Zach, but the, the field will be announced, in, I'd imagine, in the next week or so. And then on December 11 is the, uh, is the Longines International um, Race Day, and that features four Group 1s, um, distances from 1,200 out to uh, 2,400, and um, those four Group 1s in um, combined value of 110 million Hong Kong, so about... 20-odd million Australian across those four group ones. And as we've seen, there's been a big entry from Japan, uh, also from Ireland, and uh, hopeful that there might be a couple from Australia as well. Leo, uh, you've been attending track work this week or late last week? I did late last week and uh, track work again this morning. They have the trials out there this morning. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, the atmosphere is building out there and uh, uh, just really looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a real taste of what we can expect next next month. And was Wellington the eye-catcher last week? He certainly was, yeah. He, he is an absolute machine. Um, Hong Kong's best sprinter, uh, going for five in a row. 
he won a trial nicely out there on, on Friday and uh, we'll see how well he runs on Sunday. Um, the Springer division in Hong Kong has always been the toughest nut to crack. Um, it's, they've always had fantastic sprinters and right now he's at the top of the tree and um, another Australian bred sprinter doing really well in Hong Kong. Good on you, Leo. Always a pleasure. We'll chat next week. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Andrew.